You know, when I prayed to the Lord to give me the message for today, uh, he made it very obvious to me that this was a poignant moment in the life of the church. After all, we had spent three years effectively wandering around in a wilderness, wondering where we would be. We had all come out of a horrific situation where the church where we had been before effectively collapsed on us, and we were effectively without a place to call home. And yet God called us to be together. God called us uh, to stick together and that he would honor us, honor us with a church of our own. And after three years, I would say that he has. And so as I prayed about it, the, the, the title of the message became very clear to me. And the title of the message is, It's Time for Our Church to Cross the Jordan River. The Jordan River, you see. It's a new spiritual life. As the people of Israel wandered around for 40 years in the wilderness, as God was teaching them what it meant to be the people of God and delivered all those lessons to them, just like that, we are now at the Jordan River and we are crossing the Jordan River. So those, those lessons need to be looked at again and examined again because I believe God has a message for us. And so as we cross effectively our own Jordan River spiritually in this new church, uh, we need to look back at what the Israelites were told at that poignant moment. Uh, as they entered the promised land. And that's, that's the lesson for us. God certainly had a work to perform in their hearts during the 40 years. And I believe that he had a lesson for us to work in our hearts over the three years that we moved from, from the school to the hotel and back to the school. We thank God that he gave us those opportunities, but we yearned for a permanent home. And now he has given that. And so as you look at this lesson, you see Joshua was a man of action. Uh, he had no knowledge as to how he was going to move three million Israelites across the swollen Jordan River, which at that point of time was one mile wide. Think about that. One mile wide. It was like crossing a sea again. Uh, and so he moved them up seven miles towards the river, not really knowing how God would open that river. Having arrived at that river, you see, they stopped for three days. And how, how appropriate the number three comes up again, as you've heard me speak on the issue of three over and over again, how God made it very clear to the Jewish people that something spectacular and poignant would take place in three days. He, he started that from uh, Abraham and brought it all through the Bible. And here you see it again. They stopped and waited for three days. And during that three days, they dedicated themselves. They confessed their sins. They prepared for what God would do. And at the end of the third day, the people were given instructions as to how they were to act. The pillar of cloud that had been with them for 40 years, leading them through the wilderness, would no longer be there with them. But instead, they were directed now to follow the Ark of the Covenant, the very embodiment of God, the very presence of Jehovah, the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, and so they were to follow the Ark of the Covenant as the Ark would be taken across the river into the promised land 
of, Can- of Canaan. And so with the ark going ahead, the people were directed to fall behind and to keep a distance of about 3,000 feet. Look at Joshua chapter 3, verse 2, which will be on the screen. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for the Lord, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priests, take up the ark of the covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead. And so you can see this incredible vision of the Ark of the Covenant, the very embodiment of God himself, uh, which would be present in the Holy of Holies, that Ark being carried by the Levitical priests as they approach the the Jordan River and and the people told to span 2,000 feet behind them, obeying that because God would lead them. And that's the lesson for us today. You see, God will lead us from this church This church is going to be the embodiment of his place of worship. This is a place where the hurt will come, where those who seek to be taught, where children will come. This will be where God will lead us, and we will cross the spiritual Jordan River together. And so here it is. You see spiritual preparation was necessary here, not military. They're crossing the Jordan River. They're now going into a land that's populated by seven different tribes. God gave it to them, but they would have to set foot there as they followed the Ark of the Covenant, just like you did with this church. This is spiritual preparation, not military preparation. And so it was imperative, imperative that the Israelites prepare for the manifestation of the power of God. The people of God were told to expect a miracle. Something special was going to take place. And so the sermon point for you here is this. We must consecrate ourselves to God today. Make that commitment today to consecrate yourself to God as you sit here in his church that he gave us. Now, Joshua indicated that this event uh, would show the world that their God was a living, powerful God in contrast to the dead idols that would be surrounding them uh, by the heathens in Canaan. And so besides opening the river, the living God himself would drive out the seven tribal groups inhabiting the land. And so the sermon point for you here is this. The promise of God, I will be with you, continues throughout the book. And I would say this. God said that to us. He told us that three years ago. He was with us every day of the three years. And now as we've set foot today, we see his promise. I will be with you. And that's the message we're going to convey 
to a lost world. This is a promise that continues with us today as we bring people in who don't know him. God will be with you. And so when the day of the crossing finally arrived, uh, the people folded their tents and followed the ark uh, as, as it was brought into the brink of the Jordan River. Dramatic things happened the moment that the priests put their foot in this mile wide water. The water from the streams upstream suddenly stopped, piling up in a town called Adam. How about that? Uh, and as a result of God stopping the flow of water, the people were now able to cross the formerly mile-wide river. Now, there are many factors, you see, that make this a miracle. Uh, first, the event came to pass is exactly as it was prophesied. The timing was precise as they put their foot in, into water. The river was at a flood stage which made it even more of a miracle. The, water, the wall of water was held up for many hours. Think about it. Three million people are going to walk across this river. The soft, wet river bottom suddenly became hard so that they could take their carts and walk and carry their possessions into the promised land. And as soon as they had exited the river, the water immediately retained, re returned. How about your God? How about your God? All right, when you see the miracle hand. And here's this miracle here in this church. Pastor Leone said to me when he came in, I can't believe it. It looks like a new church. You're right, Pastor. It is a new church. It is a new church because God gave it to us. Uh, and we honor you for your years of dedication and fiduciary status. And yet God gave us this place. This is a miracle as we sit here knowing where we've been for three years that God gave us this. And so you see the hand of God with the people of God, how he protects them. And so God was glorified. God was glorified in that event. And it's the sermon point I have for you here is that God is glorified today as we take possession in this church. This is the handiwork of God. This is the glory of God. Yes, we honor the people who worked so hard and diligently and the people that gave of their treasure. But make no mistake about it, this is his church. His church. Not our church. His church. And we bow as we understand that. And as we use this church, because this church is meant for the glory of God. For the glory, it sits here at Golden Gate in Santa Barbara, where 25,000 cars a day pass. I want every one of the cars to know God is glorified in that building. And that's our job. That's our job. And so that for Israel, you see, the crossing of the Jordan River meant that they had committed themselves to walk by faith. Walk by faith, not by knowledge, but by faith, knowing that God had been with them for 40 years, and they had learned that lesson. And that's the lesson for us today. We're walking by faith as we see what God has done here. And I really believe that God, if God wants us to have a second service, he'll fill this place up. If he wants us to have a second service, the parking lots will be filled. The grass lots will be filled. If this is what God wants, we will bow and serve him because we want this place to be the embodiment of the glory of God at the corner of Golden Gate in Santa Barbara. 
This is not about us. This is about him. All right? Not about us. Not about... This is about him in every way. The lesson for believers today is that crossing the Jordan River spiritually represents passing from one level of Christian life to another. It is a picture of entering, really, into the promised land. Uh, and this, should, this indicates that it's the point where we now say, Lord, I will not live my life by human effort. I will live by your word. I will follow you exactly as you want. I will walk where you want. I will speak where you want. I will attend to the issues that you direct. And so now you see uh, the erecting of a memorial in Joshua chapter 4 is also important to us. And, and it's important because you see how God wants us to live. It was important to God that Israel not forget that miracle. Because you know how we are in, in humanity. It's almost like, well, God, what have you done for me lately? Sure, we crossed the Jordan River last week. But what are we going to do this week? And God knows your human mindset. He knows that. And that's why God demanded that the people of Israel create a, a, a memorial so that they would remember. And so the Israelites would remember how God acted on their path. They were directed, you see, to erect this 12-stone memorial, 12 stones. And so the sermon point that I have for you here is that this church that God has given us will serve in the same way as his memorial, just like the 12, 12 stones did to the people of Israel. This church will be here for generations to come. I'll be with the Lord. You'll be with the Lord. But I'm going to tell you 30, 40, 50 years from now, this church will still be here because it's God's church. And, and so now, calling the 12 tribal representatives together, Joshua instructed them as to what God wanted from them. They were to return to the middle of the riverbed, and each one was directed to bring back one stone, each of the heads of the 12 tribes. Go back and get a stone. In this way, the Israelites would teach the younger generations. Don't you see that's what it's about? That's even why this church is so important. These men had to go back, even if they were fearful, to go back into the water and get the stones. But they did it to obtain the stones. And then Joshua went back himself and put 12 stones in the middle of the riverbed, wrenching them up. Uh, and so the point of this was, that was where the Ark of the Covenant allowed them to cross. That's where God was with them, and the power of God was evidenced, and they need to erect a memorial. This is a reminder of God's faithfulness. It's important that we remember the boundary markers of God. You understand? We're not here by accident. This isn't just a result of us passing the hat and some people giving us money. It goes far beyond that. The fact that God has given us seven acres in one of the prime spots in all of Naples where a building could be rehabilitated to this extent. This is a personal reminder to each and every one of you how powerful God is in your life. And you need to be mindful of this. And so we make this as a memorial to God so that future generations will understand this. This will be a church where people can come and hear 
the word of God, the pure, unadulterated word of God. I'm not up here to be a coach. I'm not up here to be a pal. I'm up here to be your teacher and your pastor and to deliver the pure, unadulterated word of God. And here is the point, as God made it clear uh, throughout Scripture. The memorials alone do not teach, you see. But the parents are to teach. We're to teach our children. We're to teach our grandchildren. We're to teach our families. We're to teach our country club. We're to teach our neighborhood. We are to teach the lost world about the power of God. Look what Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 says. It's on the board. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your heart. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. You know, it's bad. The Pharisees get a bad name. Uh, and certainly they were full of hypocrisy. But one thing they had is they had that, those verses in a phylactery they carried around their necks. They carried them because they knew the word of God said, carry them on your heart. And so you understand, this is the message for us. We need to carry these words on our heart. We need to show the world that we rely on the Lord our God. We need to impress them to our children and to our grandchildren. And when we sit down and we have dinner together, this is what we need to talk about. We need to talk about the Lord 24 hours a day, telling the world about what he has done for us. Even as we walk along the road, we need to be thinking and praying about what God has done for us. And this is the memorial to him on that basis. Look, there are important lessons for us today from this scripture. The earlier generation had failed. They'd failed to enter the promised land, and so they were doomed to walk around in unbelief for 40 years. They were worshiping pagans. They had wandered around for 40 years because God was punishing them and trying to teach them how to live. But now God gave them a second chance. And our God is a God of second chances. So I would say to you today that if you've lived a life that in some ways is failure, that you've not walked with him, but you've committed yourself to him today. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. Today, as you cross the Jordan River, I want you to tell you, God doesn't see the past. He only sees the future, and he sees you in a glorious way. And he wants to use you and embody you in the kingdom of God. Uh, and so we need to understand this. this. This indication of this lesson is so important to me and it's so critical at, at this time. As you see it, the ark, you see, represented the personage of God himself. The creator of the universe was in the ark of the covenant. And it pointed to the fact that, that whatever the Israelites were to do as they took possession of the land, whatever it was, even as the walls of Jericho would come down, it would all come down because God walked with them. And church, that's the message for us. If we are to be successful here, we have to ask God to walk with us. We have to give him this church. We have to give him 
our hearts. We have to give him everything that we do. It's all you, Lord, whatever you've given, whatever talent you've given me, whatever giftedness you've given me, whatever resources you've given me, it's yours, God. It's yours, and I pledge today from this day forward, I will give it all to you. It's yours, and that's the pledge that you need today to make as you cross the Jordan River with me as we commit ourselves once again to God, the God of second chances. Lord, forgive us for the sins of the past, but lead us now as we walk and embrace your land that you've given us. Now, this passage also underscores to me the importance of consecration and dedication. Consecration and dedication. This is no mere words. When there is a lack of consecration, when there is not a confession of sin, God does not work. And so as you sit here in church and thank God for what he's done, I think what you have to do is confess to the Lord that part of your life that you want him to clean up. Ask him, Lord, help me. Give me strength to straighten this issue out in my life because I want to serve you. I want to walk with you. And here's the point. God will not allow you to be in ministry if there are areas of your life that need to be cleaned up. And don't say, as people say to me, well, I'm, not just, I'm just not ready to come to God yet. I've got to clean a few things up. Oh, man, what a mistake that is. You think you're going to clean it up? Since when did you become in charge of salvation? When did that happen? You can't clean anything up. It's only when you bow to him and say, Lord, you clean this mess up. You clean this up. I walk with you. And so here's the point. There are two ideas that are involved here, both preparation and dedication. It reminds us of the holiness of God. And I'm struck by this passage as they were told to stay 2,000 feet behind the Ark of the Covenant. Why? Because it was God himself. You couldn't touch the Ark because if you had touched the Ark, you would die. You had to have respect the sovereignty and the creation of God himself. And they did, and they obeyed it. And look, here's the point. God cannot have fellowship with sinful man or allow sin in his presence. You understand that? He cannot have fellowship with sinful man. It shows the necessity, you see, of sacrifice and confession to God, confession to the cross of Jesus Christ. Without faith, without faith, in the cross and its cleansing power, no man can be set apart for the service in God. No man can serve God without that. The command, the command here for consecration demonstrates to me the necessity for cleansing and confession. So that's equally important today as we see his handiwork and as we honor his memorial. And so since it was the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant, and since it was the Ark that represented God's personage and power, they alone were to take the Ark to the edge of the water and stand still in the water. Can you imagine? They brought it to the water, and they stood still, waiting for the manifestation of the power of God. And boy, did he manifest his power. And so I want to say to you today, this reminds us of our place in the plan of God. We step out for God. We walk in faith. We, we give our lives to him. And yet now, 
as we're here, as we worship him, we stand still as we wait for his surrounding power. God intends to use you. God intends to use this church. God intends to fill this church. God intends to bring people here who have never heard about him. God intends to fill these classrooms with children who will be taught about God. God intends this church to be moving out in myriad ways to advance the work of God in this town and in the nation itself. You are going to be a part of this. We bow to his will. We bow to his, to his determination for our lives. It reminds us mostly to rest on the promises of God. This is his promise. Amen, church? Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the message that you've given us, Lord. I thank you, Father, as we sit here in your church, as we sit here in what you have given us, Father, we are humbled as we recognize where we have been and the travel we've done. And yet, Lord, you've honored us in a way that we don't deserve. You've given us this building. And Father, as you've given us this building, we dedicate this building to you. Our promise, Father, here is that we will spend every day promoting you in this building. We will bring people here through the power of the Holy Spirit who need to be here, who need to be ministered to. This is not about us. This is not about entertainment. Rather, it is about serving you in the most powerful way that we can. Father, bless our people. Bless this church. Let it be here for decades, for decades to come. For generations to come, let it stand as a memorial to you on the corner of Golden Gate and Santa Barbara that this is the glory of God. We put this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Amen.